we believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. I wonder, it's worth considering just because the context is the return of Christ. I don't make too much out of it, but in contrast to Matthew 25 where it says you're faithful in a few things, you know, and trust with more, it gives us just another detail. It's a little more significant. So who's not to say Brian McDaniel won't rule over Haiti in the millennial reign, who we support with Cross to Light Ministry? Who's not to say Bobby Brown, who leads us in worship and has made eight trips to the Dominican Republic and given of himself and is going back at Christmas time to minister to women? Who's not to say Bobby Brown won't rule over Dominican Republic in a glorified body in the millennial reign? It's good to think outside the box in the balance of the scriptures, and it's a thought based upon this. And with that in mind, let's think about this passage for the rest of the night. Do business till I come. Oh, say that again, Pastor Joey, because this is Jesus giving a parable. And the nobleman, who's clearly Christ, says to his servants, do business till I come. We might say, get after it. Make things happen. Don't talk about it. Do it. Do business till I come. It just jumps out at me, that phrase. And again, it's very different than the similar story in Matthew 24, the similar parable. Do business till I come. So I believe when the Lord is saying to the church in an application we can all lay hold of is, we should do business till he comes. We should do the Lord's business till he comes. We should be expanding that work of Christ in our life and through our life. We should be looking to fulfill our calling as best we can discern it from the Lord. We should be looking to exercise our practical gifts and spiritual gifts from the Lord as best we know how. We should be looking to be faithful in the stewardships that he has given each of us in this room as best we can discern them on this day and to diligently and passionately seek out for him how we can do business more efficiently. It's the end of the year for a lot of companies. And what companies do at the end of the year is they evaluate, well, they take inventory, and they evaluate well, good businesses, successful businesses. They evaluate what went well, what went wrong. They compare sales numbers from the year before to the last year, and then they compare that to trends in their industry, how that might look for other uh, rival companies. In other words, are they down? Is everybody down in this industry, like oil, for example? Or are we just down because we don't, have, we don't candidly evaluate ourselves to grow and do a better job in our company, right? See, if you're in the oil business, everybody's down. But if you're in the toy business, Jeffrey's gone, the giraffe, but there's still people making toys and selling them on Amazon, right? So businesses evaluate how they do business and how to do it more efficiently and more effectively. It's, the, it's human nature. It's the human way to make things more efficient. So when the, in this parable, do, do business till I come. 
To me, that's the Lord saying to the church, do the work of the ministry until I come and be found faithful. And Jesus himself said, who is that faithful servant whom his master will find when he comes? We want to be about the Lord's business when he comes. We want to be found faithful. Now, a, a few months ago, we had the similar passage back in like chapter 15, where we talked about um, our, our accountability, giving an account. Remember the steward had to give an account? And we talked about accountability. That's not so, I mean, while that's here in this passage, that's not so much what really is the heart of what I want to share tonight in this. It's just, it's the doing. The accounting will come later. When we're, we're gone and we step into eternity, the accounting will come. But today, this is the day of the doing. Now, we're saved by grace and we're not working our way to heaven, but it's, we're his workmanship, his work of art. And it's God who wills and works in us for his good pleasure so there's a doing to be done. And if you look at what James said in his book, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he will give them wisdom. And if we draw near to the Lord, he will draw near to us. And so the calling of God is the greatest thing that we can meditate on and consider. Because the first thing is, like Zacchaeus, we need to be saved. Salvation needs to come to our house. But when salvation comes to our house, there's a result of what, that, what happens, where it all goes from there. And what God wants to do. And so something that we think about with doing business is that everybody gets a mina in this story. So let's think about that for a minute, doing business. We've all got a mina. Now we know the Bible, New Testament tells us that he's given everyone a spiritual gift. That's very clear in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 13. We all have a spiritual gift. So when we come to Christ, God gives us uh, uh, an anointing in the Holy Spirit. He, he, we're born of the Spirit, but he gives us empowerment to, to, you know, the fruit of the Spirit can come from our life as we abide in Christ. We can think like Christ because we have the mind of the Spirit. And, you know, we, we can function with the gifts of the Spirit to the benefit of the church, and we can be baptized in the Spirit for a witness for the Lord to the benefit of the world. The mind, the fruit, the gifts, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But we are told that we have spiritual gifts. So no one can say like, hey, you know, I'm saved. I've given my life to Christ. But, you know, everyone got something but me. I'm just uh, service offense at football practice for Team Jesus. I don't actually play in the game. No, you do play in the game. And we all have a gift. And if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Lord, what's my gift? When Jesus said, seek, knock, and ask in uh, Luke's account here earlier, he said, and how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who seek, knock, and ask? And nonetheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? So, as we think about doing business, we think about our mind Now, we think about our spiritual mind but we also think about practically uh, just what's my mind What are my interests? What are my strengths? Some people just seem to have more gifts than others. And we can't deny that. I mean, that's just how it works out. But it's not the quantity of the gifts, it's the quality of the gift. And there are people that have many gifts and misuse them and, and waste them, and they're never belong to the Lord. And there's people that have just one gift, like the widow's might, but it fully belongs to the Lord, and that's the greatest thing that you can do. So to be all in with one gift is that better, better than being halfway in with a bunch of gifts. It's the quality over the quantity with the Lord, for sure. But when we think about gifts, and we do think a little bit about accountability, because this crosses over to the accountability study uh, a few months ago, but I, I look at the gifts, the minus this way, um, what God has given us. And the first thing he's given us is that opportunity to grow in our relationship with the Lord. Because we have a relationship with the Lord. 
I mean, we're born of the Spirit, and there's one mediator between man and God, Christ Jesus, and he makes us alive. So we can grow in the Lord. So when I read the Bible in the morning, I'm not some unbelieving person breaking it down like an uh, archaic book like the, the rebel professor might be who rejects God. No, it's a living word for me as it is for you. It, it's alive and living. I mean, when you're filled with the Spirit and the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, he's just speaking to you. And he can just give you, man, like I'm going to read like three chapters today. You might not get past one verse if he's just pouring out on you something powerful and profound from his word as it applies to your life. Now, the first and great mina is the relationship with the Lord, to grow with the Lord, and to become more like Christ. That's the best usage of our time that we can spend, is with the Lord, in prayer, in his word, and receiving from the Lord to become more like Christ. Because the more time we spend with the Lord, sincerely, what will happen is there'll be more humility, more of a servant's heart, more grace, more mercy, more forgiveness, more gentleness, and the things that reflect the Lord to a dying world and bring him honor and glory. And then you're more usable too, because of course, pride and wrath and vindication and malice, those aren't things God can use. He doesn't honor them. So you you can build a religion of your mind and build an empire in the name of God. But with those attributes and those things, uh, that's just you playing church or something, religion. That's not the Lord. And that that might fake people in time, space, and matter, but that doesn't fool the Lord in time, space, and matter, and it definitely won't stand the test of the holy fire in eternity. When our works are tested, what works they were, 1 Corinthians 3, and what was the motive of their works, and will God find gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hay, and stubble? So we grow in our relationship with the Lord. It's supreme. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So mine and number one in my mind is my relationship with Christ, that I have time to grow in him, and he wants to keep me growing in the Lord and keep you growing in the Lord from here to eternity, that our last day on the planet will be still another day of growing in the Lord, not living in a rut, not rolling over and dying, but rising up and praising until the trumpet sounds. The second minor that I consider would be the, the family relationships. You know, I've often used the four square and here's the four square, and the bottom corner here is Jesus. He's the chief cornerstone. That's why he's there, okay? And then right here at the foundation is the family. When you get to people at the end of their life and you minister to people at the end of their life, they don't say, I should have spent more time at work. They don't say, I should have made more money or I should have more stuff that people can fight over when I'm gone. They say, I should have spent more time serving the Lord and I should have spent more time with the people I love in my family. Recently watching Ken Burns' uh, critically acclaimed documentary on the Vietnam War. It's unbelievable. And it's, it's about 20 hours long. And because my dad is a Vietnam veteran, I've taken my time. Very familiar with the history of the war anyways. I was very much affected by it growing up. But um, one thing that kept so many people going on both the NVA side and the Viet Cong and then the, um, the, the South Vietnamese, the, the Arvin forces plus the U.S. forces was the love of family. Duty for country, but love of family. And those POWs, whether in the jungle or whether, and, and even the NBA POWs in South Vietnam, wherever they were, they, they maintained the will to live because they wanted to be reunited with family. Family is a very powerful bond. And God ordained family. He brought Eve from Adam, the first man, Adam, Eve from his side. He brought them together. And as he said in Matthew 19, have you not read how he made them? We are created by God and for God and in his purposes. And he made them male and female, their gender. And he defined marriage, male and female. And he brought them together, the three great battles of this generation, by the way. Origin, gender, and marriage. 
And Jesus said, this is the way it is. And it'll never change. Societies change. And mis- mistake progress, sin for progress. Jesus is saying the same forever. Have you not read how he made them origin, male and female, gender, and the two became one, marriage, male and female. That's what he did. And he gave the family unit, and the family unit is the basis of all strong societies. And societies fail when government usurps the family unit, or in our case, redefines it. That's what the Russians did. That's what Stalin did. That's what Hitler did. That's what even China does now is the state can tell you how to parent your kids, and so there's not much parenting involved. But God has entrusted parenting to the parents. And he's entrusted leading the marriage to the husband to love his wife like Christ loves the church. And he's entrusted submitting to the husband. And if each person does their role and fulfills it, it'll glorify the Lord, as Ephesians 5 says. And even if they don't, it's still God's standard. He's not going to change. And there's a generation that precedes us, and our, children, our parents are instructed to raise us up in the things of the Lord, to rise up in Deuteronomy 6 and tell their children about the Lord. As, or as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And one generation shall proclaim your praises to another. And so that's the responsibility of parents. It's not the government's role to define moral absolutes in my home. It's my role as a dad and my wife's role. Our standard is Jesus Christ. He's given us his word that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work, for reproof, for instruction, for correction, for everything under the sun. Government doesn't define right and wrong for my my family. They might want to define right and wrong for society, but the word of God defines right and wrong for my soul, Jesus, my chief cornerstone, and for my marriage, and for my children. And this is the standard. And so we can say like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then as we get older, we... Our children get older, and we have to learn to prepare them and release them into the world like arrows in a, in a quiver. And then they have to make their own choices. But if you train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. And many parents pray that prayer in faith and confidence in the Lord and can look past where their children, adult children, might disappoint them, but to be confident in the Lord. But then what happens is you get older, they get older, and then your parents get older. So honor your father and mother looks like this vertically, and then you start your own family. The two become one, and now you're your own family. And for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother. So now there's a new family unit. And the older family unit is aging out. And then we just read in 1 Timothy that we need to take care of the elderly in our own home and not put that burden on the church. And even here tonight, praying for different people in this church, we're praying for people who became grandparents, Ryland. We're praying for people who are taking care of elderly parents, Fred, and have taken care of elderly parents, Keely, and so on and so forth. It doesn't get easier as they get older. It gets harder for taking care of those above. So honor your father and mother is me making three trips to North County in one week to take my dad's dog at 15 to the vet, my dad's buddy, Goldie. And my prayers are like, God, Lord, I just pray you take this dog mercifully. I mean it sincerely. Can we just have a soft landing for the end of Goldie's journey? Oh, Lord, please, please. That's the family unit. It, it, it drives us. It, love of family drives us. And see, if Jesus is first, because he, he is over the family unit. 
But if we have things in order and Jesus is our first minor and our family is our second minor, we, we love upward for those that came before us, whether they, they respect it and receive it or not, whether they know what year it is or not, we honor our father and mother, whatever that looks like in God's economy in our own personal life. And we, we love horizontally our spouse if we have one, and then we love vertically again beneath us our children, we raise them up to go on the way they should go, and we fight for them. We fight the good fight of that mina entrusted to us of our children. If you don't pray for your children, who's gonna pray for your children? Fight the good fight. We avoid foolish fights, the Bible tells us, but we fight the good fight. And we have the children below us, and now our children's children, our grandchildren. And so we pray and we, we, we pray and when God gives you hope with grandchildren of a greater generation to come because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever in every generation. And his best work wasn't in 1972 at Calvary Costa Mesa. I don't believe that. I believe his best work is in front of us because he hasn't changed. And if his people who cry out to him will turn from their evil ways, he will heal their land and do a greater work than we've seen. And why, why would we be so selfish to think that we're the last work God ever did was the baby boomers in the Jesus movement? That's folly and pride. We should have faith to believe the greatest work of Jesus Christ is coming around the corner for the millennials and the Z generation. That's how we should think. And grandchildren will help you think like that. His mercies are never ending, we saw last week. And his word endures, as we saw last week, Psalm 100, to... Every generation, it's everlasting. Those are the two great minas, you and the Lord and your family. Well, all of our families are dysfunctional. Don't wait. It's like finding the perfect church. Don't join it because it's not perfect and you'll wreck it. Well, it's like finding the perfect family. Don't be part of that family because you'll wreck it. We're all dysfunctional. It's the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ to make us a bit more functional. Okay? That's a stewardship. That's a mina. And then in the local churches of Mina, what's God's got for you in the, in the local church? That's the third Mina. See, people make decisions based upon money and advancement. They should make decisions based upon the body of Christ and where their gifts are called to, to be used in the body of Christ. I've watched many a person chase a golden pot at the end of the rainbow only to crash and burn with the Lord because they didn't consider their gifts from God and how they would apply in the local church in and through their lives. The wisest thing anyone can do when they move is establish themselves in a new church and commit themselves to that body of Christ to grow and flourish in that church. And that should be the supreme objective in moving to a new community. It might be a new job that took you out of state to a new place, but finding your place in the local church is of, of the highest importance because the relationships of the church, minor number three, are eternal. And even just this week in different things. Jesse Bronesty being here with Kristen, former deacon of the church, visiting from Arizona two weeks ago. Hey, Jesse, there's that relationship of someone who's served here in the past. Talking to Jim O'Connor in Virginia uh, at five in the morning, he texted me from Virginia like, hey, happy Thanksgiving. I was like, hey, are you available to talk right now? You're on my list of calls. The guy who went to Vermont with me to plant a church and stayed for seven years after I left. He's been the, the groundskeeper for Tony Clark over there in Newport News well, he goes, hey, you never believe this. I asked God to put me back in people ministry. He put me in charge of the children's ministry. No kidding, Jim. How about that? How many kids you got? About 600? Well, oh boy, here we go. And no, 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 you've got this, Jim. See, that's eternal. See, when I talked to Jim O'Connor, we were in Virginia together. He got saved through Brian Broderson on the radio in 1990. We went to Vermont together. 
He's been involved in all kinds of stuff on the East Coast. I've been here and there. He's come out here. Man, his kids grew up. My kids grew up. It's eternal relationship. It's a mina. It, those church relationships are a mina. They're eternal. They're here forever. These relationships we have here, they don't stop here. I don't even know the address here. I can never remember the address of Shoreline Church. I'm sorry. So, they, hey, I've pastored here for 14 years. Hey, you know, it's the big church, Ellis and, and Brookhurst. You know, it's on the right side before it gets stinky, you know? Like, it's not that hard. Like, it's the people. It's the people. It's the people talking to Fred's dad a week ago. You know, it's like, it's the people. That's our, that's our mina as a people. And the last mina is your witness to the world. Because we are part of a community. We are citizens of a country. We are part of a, a neighborhood, as Mr. Rogers would say, right? The people in our neighborhood. And we are part of a neighborhood. We have people we interact with at stores, uh, at work, maybe youth sports or extracurricular activities. And God's put you there. That's your, that's your mina. When you're coaching a little league team and you're the assistant coach, that's, that's your mina. When you're same, seem to get the same check or Trader Joe's, like every time you go there, it's like, that's your mina. That's your, that's your chance to, to build bridges and build relationships. The kingdom of God is relational. And when we think about do business, it's do business with the Lord. Take care of business in the home. Func- function uh, fruitfully and prosperously in the body of Christ and shine, shine, shine outside these church walls. Oh, shine. Let them glorify the Father in heaven because of the good works of Christ in and through your life. That's, those are the minus. In my, in my mind, as I think about my life, those are my four priorities. Those are my minus with time. The Lord, the family, the church, the witness. Those are the minus. And I want to encourage all of you as we wrap up this year, moving quickly toward December, and you think about the new year, and as businesses are setting new business goals of what they want to do, I want to encourage you to think about what God wants to do with you in the new year. Because all you need is full commitment and the next step of faith. And God, God has an expanding kingdom. In the prayer of Jabez, Jabez said there in First Chronicles, Lord, let me not be a sorrow to anyone and expand, expand the fruitfulness of the ministry. The book of Acts goes from addition to multiplication. Isaac, when he dug wells in the Old Testament, he found quarreling, he found strife, and then he found the well of spaciousness. And then when he had peace with all these people who had formerly oppressed him and attacked him and he forgave them and wanted covenant with him, he found the well of sevens, completion. I want to suggest to all of us tonight as we leave here to consider well the minas entrusted to our life that God has given you to do business with those minas and to seek the Lord for fresh vision to even write the vision and make it plain so you can run with it, as Habakkuk would say, a vision of expanding the kingdom in and through your life, a vision of sowing you more, Christ in you more, with the hope of greater things in the future than what we know from the past for the gospel and the kingdom of God. We should be people that wake up with faith and confidence and willing to take the next step that God has for us. 
do business. And you find, as this parable told us, if we're faithful in the little things, he'll, he'll give us what we need. You know, bank, businesses that do good, they can go to the bank and they ask for more money, right? They ask for bigger loans to expand the thing. Hey, we don't need, we don't need loans. We're just fruitful in little things. The bank of heaven just pours out more for greater things. He just pour out more. It says there of Isaac in, in the book of Genesis, he walked away from the well of contention. He walked away from the well of strife and he dug that well and there was no strife. He called it the well of spaciousness. And it says in the context of that chapter that the Lord prospered him. He sowed in the land and he was prosperous and he increased a hundredfold. Leave here tonight, please, asking the Lord, how can I increase a hundredfold my mina of my life you've given me moving into a new year? What can I yield to you and what can I receive from you to increase your kingdom in my life? That's a question I'm asking myself as a pastor of this church. I think it's a good question for all of us to ask. Do business till I come. And so we say, Lord, these appear to be our minus. Help us expand the business. Help us have faith for the next step. And help us to trust you for every good thing yet to be done in our lives. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.